0: Father, um, man, it can be so easy just to go through the motions sometimes. Um, Go through the motions of announcements and then into prayer and then into the sermon and then into the shaking hands after church or fist bumping and putting on big smiles and leaving. And I think our nation really needs to wake up and get out of just the, the norm So, um, I pray that you give us ears to hear today, eyes to see, minds that can comprehend, hearts with fertile soil, feet that want to run with obedience, Father. May your truth pierce our hearts. May you truly lead this service. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm not sure why I'm going to share what I'm going to share next, but um, I'm going to share it anyways. Try to follow the Spirit, maybe. Or just follow uh, whatever comes to my mind. I don't know. But I'm up here, so I'm going to run with it. Um, You know, when Stu was talking about Sunday mornings being the place of energy and excitement for him and a place where he gets filled up, I have to make a confession my confession is this, is since I've been a leader, Sunday mornings have not been that for me. Um, throughout the week when I get to hang out with people, it's great. Throughout um, meetings, small groups, those things are great. But Sunday mornings for me, there's always like this just weird pressure. And, you know, it used to be worse and now it's getting better, but then Um, in in humility, people always think like, Joey, you speak with great confidence. You have a lot of confidence while you're up on stage. And someone even emailed um, the elders and I once and said, Joey, Joey, you have great potential and um, you have such confidence up, up on stage. And I'm like, oh, really? Like, you don't know me. There's such this like feeling of, I don't feel qualified to be up here. Each week, I don't understand why God even called me to be up here. But I'm here. So I try to offer my best and whatever I have in these moments um, to God and then to you guys. And um, out of that insecurity, out of that... I wouldn't say it's humility at this point. It's probably just more insecurity and beating myself up. I'm like, I didn't get anything from today's service. Now, when I studied the scriptures throughout the week, I got something, right? It's that personal time of devotion. But when I come in here on Sunday mornings, I just have to make the confession. It's hard for me to receive. Anyone ever feel like it's hard for them to receive on Sunday mornings? Because there's so much going on. And when you're in leadership, it's just so hard um, It's just so hard to be a person that receives because you're always thinking about like, well, what's going on over here? Or who's walking in? Or what's going on there? Or God, what are you up to? And just going and going and going and going. And maybe that's the price of leadership. But um, what I want for me and the church is that that joy would return where this place is truly a place of um, energy, and um, the presence of God. But what ends up happening is, it's not that the presence of God isn't here. God is here. Usually, the reason why we do not experience kingdom come on a Sunday morning is because God is here, and our feet are here, but our mind is somewhere else. Come on, somebody. See, probably in November, our feet were here. And we're thinking, who's going to be elected? And then after the election was over, then we said, um, some people in here said, hip, hip, hooray, yay. And then there was other people who were like, how's he going to get back into office? So we're we're in here worshiping, and then everyone in here is also thinking, how's he going to get back into office? How's he going to get back into office? Or then our feet are in here, and we're like, Everyone's got to get the vaccine. Or sorry, the poke. I'm probably um, the jab. (laughs) I'm probably silenced on Facebook now. (laughs) I'll do better. But then everyone's thinking, everyone has to get it. And then the next group is thinking, no one should get it. And we're in here trying to get filled, and, and we're trying to honor God with our lips, but our heart is far from him. Or some of us are are saying, I'm late on my bills, and I have seven thousand dollars in credit card debt, and I need to um, I need to pay those bills. I need to work an extra shift. What's going to happen? And we just keep on going and going and going and going, and we're here, but we're not here. Can anyone relate to that? Being here but not here. See. For us to experience the fullness of who God is on a Sunday morning, on a Monday, we must be where our feet is. Or We must, we must be where our feet is, people. <laughs> we must be where our feet are. Where are you right now? See, and that takes, that takes um, renewing your mind. Because even while I'm talking right now, You have to fight it. You have to fight it. Pick up your cross and deny yourself each day. So when it comes to um, prayer, we often get confused like that during prayer. We often get confused in times um, of silence. My mind can go a thousand different places And today, we get to see um, Jesus' prayer. I will call it the Lord's Prayer. And I'm not referring to the disciples' prayer. We'll get there. But, um, yeah, we'll get there here in a second. So, how do we experience Jesus all day, every day, And that's truly just to submit to Him in everything that we do. So, um, yeah, let's get into the sermon, I guess. One might think that when I say that we're going to get into the Lord's Prayer today, that I'm referencing Matthew 6, right? Now, um, many of you guys have it memorized, others of you don't, and uh, I'm going to read it to you if you've Um, don't have the Lord's Prayer memorized. Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Many of us have been told that is the Lord's prayer. Now, actually what that was is that is not the Lord's prayer. That is actually what Jesus taught the disciples to pray. He said, hey, look, this is how you should pray. So, Today, we are going to actually see the Lord's Prayer. We're going to see Jesus pray to the Father. And um, it's going to be the longest prayer that's recorded of Jesus in Scripture. What is interesting, though, is Jesus began his ministry with prayer. And now Jesus, on his way out of this world, he's ending his time with prayer. But what's unique is the disciples understood how much Jesus valued prayer. They also knew how effective it was. Now, the only thing that I'm aware of them asking Jesus in Scripture, this is important, the only thing that I'm aware of the disciples asking Jesus in Scripture, like, how do you do something, Jesus, was they asked him, how do you pray? The only thing that they asked... That's interesting. Not how do you deliver, not how do you turn water into wine, not how do you cast out, yeah, demons. It was how do you pray? So we have to take note of that. So today we get insight into Jesus' prayer. And um, Jesus only had a few hours left to live, and he prayed for three things. Now, look, I've seen, I've seen people um, the last three hours, 12 hours, three days of their life. And I'll tell you what, I have met some really grouchy people that are dying. So I could ask you now, well, what would you pray for if you had three hours to live? Don't make yourself the hero. Well, I would pray that all the kids in Africa were fed. No, be honest with yourself. What would you pray? I've seen some really grouchy people on their way out. And I've seen some people at peace who have prayed similar prayers as Jesus. But there's three things that he wanted to pray for. And I've seen people who didn't even want to pray. They're just like, leave me alone. Get out of here. Now, some of them have been in extreme pain. So there's a lot of mercy. There's a lot of grace. But others of them have just had attitudes their whole life. But Jesus, three things he prayed for he prayed for himself, he prayed for his disciples, and then he prayed for the future church. He prayed for you and I. Isn't that awesome? He prayed for himself. Now, I've often heard people say this I don't pray for myself, or I don't often pray for myself. Well, why not, you dork? Pray for yourself. Jesus did it. Jesus not only prayed for himself, he prayed for his friends and his loved ones, and then he prayed for the future. John chapter 17, verse 1. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to those who have given him. Now, this is eternal life, that you know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Listen to all those glories in there. Five, six times Jesus brings up the word glorify. So this is the moment that the Gospels have been leading us to. This is the moment that um, the world has been waiting on. It's about to happen. Jesus is getting ready to die on the cross and defeat the grave three days later. Amen? Many people want to say that that's the pinnacle of our faith. Jesus Christ dying on the cross and then dying, um, raising from the grave three days later. That's not the pinnacle of our faith. You wanna know why? Because now Jesus lives in all of us. It's a starting point for everyone. It, 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 it's, it's the point where now he gets to welcome us in to his family. Either way, we've been waiting for this moment, but we have to ask the question, if, if Jesus is God, why does he have to pray? Why did Jesus ever have to pray? Why why couldn't he just do what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it? Now, there is a mystery. Can't really explain the mystery because some things we have to live by faith and not by sight. But what's unique is Jesus is fully man and Jesus is fully God, and yet they're one. Weird, isn't it? But because Jesus was fully man he must somehow as a man walk in submission and obedience to the Father. So why does he have to pray? why does he have to pray because he still has to walk in complete submission. Because while on earth he was in complete obedience to the Father. John 5, 19, maybe you guys remember this. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing on his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son, um, whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. So Jesus is saying, look, I'm only doing what I see the father do. I'm not going past it. I'm not waiting on, waiting. I'm not being disobedient. I'm just doing what he says to do. So why didn't Jesus, or why did Jesus have to pray? Because he was only doing what he saw the Father do. Jesus set an example of what it meant to be in complete dependence of the Father, in complete dependence on him. And this brought glory to God. Our complete dependence on Jesus, our complete dependence on God brings glory to Him. Just a simple example is when we say, God, I know my bills don't look right, but I'm going to trust You and completely depend on You. I will give in tithe and trust You. Or when... um, you talk to some random person at Meyer or Kroger or Walmart or Dollar General or Burger One wherever it may be at a football game. That complete dependence on God brings glory to him. And I know that um, I know that I push the church or the scripture pushes us as the church to go out and live out our faith. And it challenges us in many weeks. We walk out of here mad and frustrated because it feels like the only thing that he's preaching is that I suck and that I need to do better. No, actually, I hope that when you listen, ones with a clear conscience would hear this He's actually calling me to love people more. So the finger that is pointed is our pastor wants us to love more people. Is that so bad? I'm asking to love more people. That's not a bad thing, isn't it? It's not. Complete dependence. So I know that I have been, I even shared last week that if we shared the gospel with one person, additional a week, as the American church, think about how different our nation would be. I'm not sure how many of you guys did that this week. I uh, fortunately was able to stumble upon um, another opportunity. But yesterday, um, sharing this just in dependence, dependence on Christ, right? Yesterday, um, being that it was Saturday, I was able to take Macy to work. We like to hang out sometimes that way. She gets pampered and taken to work, and we talk, and she sleeps in on the way there. Then I wake her up like she's my kid, like, gotta get up. Pray with her before drop her off and then come home. Well, yesterday, um, I was getting a few things done around the house, and I still needed to get the grass mowed. And you, like, yesterday was perfect grass mowing weather. You're going to get some sun, the vitamin D, so you can fight off the viruses. You're going to get some nice complexion. And um, you can put your headphones on so you can ignore all the neighbors. And uh, it was just going to be a great mowing day. Well, by the time I was getting ready to mow, I got a phone call from Bell Bell Fountain. Well, my uncle currently has coronavirus, and he's in the hospital in Bell Fountain. So I said, you know what? I need to take this phone call. I figured at first it was just gonna be like a scam call, so I take the call, hello? Didn't hear anything, so I hung up. They called right back, hello? Didn't hear anything, so I hung up. So they called back again, and I'm like, well, surely this isn't whoever, you know, like, someone with a cruise ship trying to sell me a timeshare, you know, because they called back three times in a row. So um, finally, in the third time, I heard a voice. And uh, Joey, didn't recognize the voice at all. Joey, yep, hey, he said, this is Gary, the guy that you met at uh, Kroger last week. Like, oh, cool, hey, Gary, how are you? He said, good, he said, I need a ride. (laughs) <laughs> I got my shorts on I almost had my New Balance uh, grass mowing shoes on I had my nice cold lemonade to take this swig when I'm ready my cut off t-shirt there's no muscles under here I just wanted some sun my hat on backwards so the uh, wind didn't blow it off when I'm mowing right I was ready and then I'm like I've just been telling the church about these opportunities. Now what am I going to do? I say to myself, it's freaking 5.30. I have to pick Macy up at 7.30. I can't even care. I don't even understand where this guy lives. Where do you live? And he's like, well, I'm on Wi-Fi right now. That's why you can't hear me. That's why I had to call back three times. I'm on Wi-Fi calling, Okay. Well, um, where do you live? Didn't get it right. And where we live, it was another 20 minutes away from us. Not a big deal, 20 minutes, but it's 5.30 now. I still need to feed the dogs. Um, I haven't showered the whole day. I mean, I, I stink. And you know, when I get around Macy, I want to be pleasant. <laughs> I want to be decent around her. mm no decency about this. Boy, Mark could smell my pits yesterday. But um, either, Mark. But um, I'm like, okay, well, where do you live? What's the address? I finally get it in the GPS. And I said, it says 20 minutes away. I'm going to be here five, 10 more minutes. so I'll see you in a half an hour. So then he said, well, hey, call me when you get there. Well, he said the address was 420 West Mulberry, West Springfield. And I said, okay, um, i see you there in a little bit. So I drive down there, and I'm looking, and I see 418, 421, nothing. Hmm? 418, 421, nothing. So I'm driving up these alleys, because I couldn't really hear him because of the phone. He's like, it's in an alley, turn this way, turn that way. And then um, you're in a real shady spot of town, and... um, He's like, it's a white brick building. So I'm like, okay. So I finally get there, a little bit later than expected. Tried to call him, nothing. 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 And now it's like 6.30. Macy will be out the door at 7.30. I I don't know what to do. Don't see him. No one's answering. God, I'm out. I'm out. God, why would you have this guy call me if I'm not even going to take him to the store? If I'm not going to help him? Why would you do that? I don't, I don't get it. Why, why am I sitting down here looking like a freaking drug dealer in these vacant parking lots as people are looking by? Like, are you him? No, I ain't got none. <laughs> sitting in these lots, weird people walking by. Not that they were weird, just people that I didn't trust. Better stated. Right? Checking my windows. So then finally, I'm just like, I'm just leaving. He's not out here. I'm at this white apartment building. I'm leaving. <laughs> no kidding. Kid you not. I start to leave, start to leave Springfield. And then he calls me. He says, hey, where are you at? I've been sitting out there. Where are you? He's like, well, I haven't seen you yet. I haven't seen you yet where are you at? He's like, I'm sitting out front. So, here's where I'm at. He's like, no, you're not at the right place. You said, white building near 420. That's where I'm at. He said, nope, keep on coming. So, I went another street, turned right, and then there he was. So, probably the Wi-Fi signal, whatever it was, found him, picked him up. It's like 635 now. Macy works in Dayton. Um... When Macy gets off work, she wants to be off work and she just doesn't want to sit there, right? Who wants to stay at their work just for fun after you worked 12 and a half, 13 hours? You don't want to be there. So what ends up happening is I pick up Gary and uh, ask him how he was doing and what was going on and talk to him about church and addiction and everything else. And then we end up um, going to Kroger and um, he's sharing more stuff. He had his bachelor's degree. He was a nurse, um, graduated from Cedarville, had health problems. Those health problems then led him to um, pills. Those pills then led him to being homeless. Uh, he was in prison. You know, it's just great. You know, you're, you're driving with this person. And um, not only, he only needed spaghetti, but spaghetti meant he was doing his week shopping at the store. went way past us, and I already let Macy know, hey, girl, you're just going to have to play Scrabble or something. And she was cool with it. Um, She was completely fine with it, and she blessed it. So, um, Matt meant to go to get his week's groceries, so I'm shopping with him, which was fine. Um, He said he doesn't have any income, so of course, how do you pick up a guy and then not pay for his stuff, right? Trying to walk in obedience. (laughs) So then he pick up his, his groceries and then, um, then he's like, well, I need to go to the drive-through too. So we go to the drive-through and he, he goes inside and this is like the shadiest, um, literally shadiest gas station in Springfield. I believe people have been shot there before. So I'm just sitting there in my nice ridgeline, you know, my button up now, just sitting there while all these dealers walk by. What's up, man? You know, you just get the hard look. So then he comes out of the gas station and gets his stuff in there. I'm like, you ready to go? He's like, yeah, I'm ready to go. And he's like, actually, I forgot ice. And because he has some problems with his feet, he's like, I just want to go through the drive through You get to meet this girl that let me, um, who used to give me some free food when I was homeless. Legitimately, he was homeless for like three years or something while he was waiting on government assistance. Um, very long story. But... Um, Ended up going in in the drive thru. And then while we're in the drive thru, I used to watch all these shows, like prison shows. And um, he he said, I need those hot fries. And um, then he said, I need some cheese dip. And he bought some mayonnaise. And he started to talk. He said, You know what I do is I take these hot fries and I take cheese dip and then I take mayonnaise and tuna. And I'm thinking, That's what they make on the prison shows. who is this guy? Is he, is he just taking me around? He didn't want to ask me for my uh, pen. So he just said, I'm going to have him spend money all around this place, and then I'm going to hijack him. And I'm thinking to myself, this was a prison. This is a prison meal." And then he said this. He said, yeah, I learned this in prison. <laughs> oh, great. God, you lead me to the craziest places. And then he said, um, um, talked about his mom dying when he was younger, and then he shared. Um, not only um, was I in prison, but you know it was for you know gunpoint robbing a place. And um, I'm like, oh great, here I am. He's like, but Joey, Jesus has transformed me. So um, he talked about the transformation of Jesus in his life, and how um, people at his apartment building will charge $25 to take them anywhere in Springfield, driving them. And he said, I don't have any money. The only way I have money is to hustle. And what he meant by that is he said, I'll do people's dishes, I'll do their laundry, I'll sweep their room. And um, he just hustles to get money. So um, complete obedience to the Father brings glory to him. And here's what I hope is that yesterday, as I was late to pick up Macy, traveling around the south side of Springfield with my friend Gary. And you know what? Um, I tried to own it, too. Someone asked me, um, when I shared this story with them late last night, they said, well, did you, was it wasn't Macy. Did you just drop him off and wait for him? No, I owned it. This is my, this is my guy. Like, this is my dude. You better not look at him weird. You better not make fun of him. You better not ask him any dumb questions because this is my guy. So we pushed our carts around together. We laughed. We grabbed our prison food. <laughs> and we got out of there. Heard his story. Had a great time with Gary. Here's why I share that. Is I hope that, that as, as there was... I think yesterday there was an obedient heart. There was an obedient spirit that brought glory to God. Amen? See, as, as we are obedient to God, he's then glorified. Things about him are revealed. Things that weren't seen are now revealed. And you too get to bring glory to him as you walk in obedience. Jesus set the example of what it meant to be fully dependent on the Father. Yesterday, I was out of my element, and I had to be dependent on the Father. Completely out of my element. Um, I was in my pilot. No, I was in my ridgeline, not my element. Honda people, come on. So Jesus set that example to bring glory to God. And if Jesus set the example to be dependent on him and obedient, on the, or obedient to the Father, guess what you and I should do? We should follow that example. While Jesus was in his prayer, he lifted up his eyes and he prayed out loud. This is important for you and I. Not only was he obedient to him, but he lifted up his eyes and he prayed to the Father. Jesus had a posture of prayer. 1 Timothy 2.8, In every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. Jesus wasn't just praying before church. Jesus wasn't just praying before he fell asleep. Look, we have to make it a priority to be in the presence of God and pray When I'm in the presence of God, I don't think about the desires of my heart. The desires of my heart are deceitful. Romans 12 tells us, rather clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus, no, Romans 13, rather clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ than think about how to gratify the desires of your sinful nature. When I'm clothed in the Lord Jesus Christ, nothing else really matters except Him. So what Jesus is saying is, look, um... When you pray, have a posture of prayer. Be focused on me. Actually, the idea of prayer, you know, close your eyes and bow your heads. I don't see it in scripture. What we realize about closing your eyes and bowing your heads is that's been to, probably a thing to help focus people, right? Or focus kids. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I close, I'm, I'm getting to the age where if I close my eyes long enough, <laughs> I start to fall out. Macy gets mad at me sometimes because we'll be in bed, getting ready to go to sleep, you know, like watching a little show. We just had a stressful day, like just a really stressful day. Man, I get in there and two minutes in, she hits me. She's like, you watching the show? Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> so she gets mad at me because I fall asleep so quick. Boy, you better believe that in some prayer meetings, when we're all praying quiet to our, quietly to ourself, I'm out. <laughs> if I'm in my office and there's no noise in the church, no music on, nothing, and I'm praying... I might wake myself up snoring. I have to keep music. I have to keep a posture of prayer. So what I realize is this, is Jesus is teaching us here that we too must have a posture of prayer. He lifted holy hands. And again, he didn't just do it before he fell asleep. Jesus looked up to heaven and I believe prayed out loud. That's what's going on here in John 17. He also mentioned, um, or this is also mentioned in Psalm, Psalms one twenty three, I lift my eyes up. So what I'm saying is this: is is prayer is important. That's what we're seeing Jesus do. But not only is prayer important, there's a posture that we must possess. We have to be engaged. Now, I'm not saying this, that next Sunday when we all come in here, we're all going to pray like this. We might. But you know what I r- recognized is this, is when I have a posture of prayer, when when my eyes are looking up or when I'm worshiping and I'm praying, my arms are raised, I don't know whoever raises their hands when they're tired and not paying attention. When I raise my hands, it's like, yes, God, your presence is here, and I'm honoring you, and I'm in tune with you, and I'm focusing in on you, and my attention is on you. Likewise, what I believe Jesus is doing here is he's saying, look, my focus, my attention is is on you, Father. I lift my my eyes up to you. And you say, well, how do you know that this prayer was... um, out loud. How do you know that Jesus spoke out loud? Well, someone had to record it, didn't they? Someone had to record this prayer. See, other times within Scripture, what we see is, Je- what Scripture says is Jesus went away to be with His Father. We don't get the details of that prayer. We don't know if He prayed out loud. Or we don't know what He did. But this Scripture um, or this prayer is recorded. So there's a little bit of an assumption here that Jesus not only was looking to heaven and praying, but he was praying out loud. There's power in praying out loud. And what I realize is this, is when I pray out loud, I'm focused. When I pray out loud, um, I could be a little bit more specific. When I'm praying underneath my breath, I kid you not, there's um, oftentimes throughout the day that I'm praying. God puts you guys on my heart and I'll pray for you. Individuals, collectively as the church, whatever it may be, I will pray for you guys. But you better believe if I'm mowing grass, if I'm not praying out loud, it's gonna be halfway through the stripe. I'm thinking, how do I get these lines straight again? Or if it's right before I'm falling asleep, I already told you I can fall asleep in two minutes. Imagine with my eyes closed, right before bed praying to myself, my prayer is going to put me to sleep. Can I get a witness? How many of y'all have ever fell asleep praying? Now look, (laughs) we all have. Now tell me this, how weird is it if you're falling asleep and you're like, dear Heavenly Father, I pray for my kids. (laughs) It probably ain't going to happen. See, there's a posture of prayer. There's, there's a benefit of praying out loud. So I want to encourage all of you guys, there's no condemnation, there's no judgment, there's no harshness. Again, just slow motion for us, putting things in slow motion to help us become a better, um, I hate the word better when it comes to Christianity, but someone who just is able to um, encounter the presence of God in a unique way. That is, as, as we fine-tune things, I believe that we can be more um, specific and accurate in our prayer, acute, when we pray out loud. Amen? Um, The practice of praying out loud helps us focus on Jesus. Now, Jesus' prayer for himself was unique as he was asking to be glorified in his last hour. See, this last hour is the hour that the Gospels are leading us towards. It's now here. This um, is when Jesus is going to die on the cross for you and I, but first he prays for himself. He wants to be glorified and he wants to glorify God. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be glorified and to glorify God? What does glorified mean? One of the definitions I found here was this. Find it on Blue Letter Bible. Um, It's a great resource. Glorified means this. To cause the dignity and worth of some person or thing to become manifest and acknowledged. I'll read it one more time. To cause the dignity and worth of some person or thing to become manifest and acknowledged. One author says it this way, the sun, as in S-U-N, the sun is a glory because the gases that make it up are being consumed and manifested in brilliant light. Jesus himself is glorified in that way. So Jesus began his teaching in John 1 by saying this. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only son. So you guys remember that. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh. So essentially, when the Word became flesh, the qualities of His unfailing love and faithfulness became seen. Glory, right? Are you tracking with that? If we go based upon the definition, the cause, or sorry, to cause, the dignity and worth of some person or thing to become manifest and acknowledged. So when the word became fleshed, now the qualities of who Jesus is can now be acknowledged. Amen? So why would Jesus pray that he wants to be glorified? What is happening here in John 17 is Jesus is praying that by the means of the cross, The things that are hidden from the world will be seen. He is praying that the world will see how Jesus has all authority by the means of the cross. Colossians 2, 15. And having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So Jesus' prayer to be glorified was answered. At the, at the cross, Jesus and the things that were not known of him were revealed. His lordship was revealed at the cross. He is praying that he would be glorified because it represents completion for him here on earth. So when Jesus died on the cross, glory was brought to the Father. It was made known to man that he is, or he was, who he said he was, and he finishes with this. He says, uh, verse four, "I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you have gave me to do." So Jesus also, um, his work was completed here on earth. He's finished. Now that the work is completed he can head to heaven for the original glory that he had with the Father. So remember, Jesus left the glory of heaven to come down to earth to become nothing, to become the dirt of the earth, to die on the cross, and to raise from the grave three days later so that his glory could be seen so that we might be saved. And now he's leaving the earth to go be in his original glory. Um, God bless you. Amen. So he prayed for himself, and that was his prayer, that he would be glorified, and that the Father would be glorified through the cross. But then he prays for the disciples, and here's what he prays. Verse 6, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you, for I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They, they knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and you, um, sorry, all I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. The name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe. By that name you gave me, none has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may... Um, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world anymore, that I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one, that they, sorry, they are not of the world, even as I am not of it, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. We made it. Jesus prays multiple times for the protection of his disciples. For the protection from the evil one. See, it's okay to pray for yourself, and it's also okay to pray for protection for loved ones and the church from the evil one. Amen? Yet, what's interesting is this, is the protection that Jesus prayed wasn't take them out of the world, and it also wasn't take the problems away from them. It was just that they wouldn't be handed over to the evil one that the evil one couldn't snatch them up. Here's the things that he prayed. I pray, uh, pray that they would be protected from the evil one. Pray that they would have a full measure of joy because great trials are coming. Pray that they would be sanctified by the truth, which is the word of God. We must be in the Word. We must be in the Word. The truth is what sanctifies us. We must be um, diligent in our pursuit. So, what's interesting is um, Jesus doesn't back away from us experiencing hard times in this world we are going to face hard times. But He wants us to experience the full measure of joy because great trials are coming. Must be in the Word. Let's continue on. We're wrapping up. Finally Jesus prays for the truth, or the the church. Jesus back then was praying for you and I now. Isn't that unique, unique to think about Verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So Jesus then was praying for you and I now. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me, I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that they have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that you may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. So some interesting things go on here that Jesus presents. Is um, he pre- presents that he wants us to walk in unity. He wants us to walk in unity. He wants the church to walk in unity. He prays that uh, we would believe in him. He prays that we would be one with the Father. <laughs> he wants us to see his glory, to understand who he is. That's what he's praying. And you know, while Jesus prayed for us before he died on the cross, guess what he's doing today? You know what Jesus is doing right now in heaven? He's interceding on our behalf. Jesus is praying for you personally today. Hebrews 7, 25. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Jesus is interceding for you right now. Romans 8, 34. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So Jesus first prayed for himself, then he prayed for his disciples, and then from that point on, he hasn't stopped interceding for you and I. Isn't it really comforting to know that we have a God in heaven, that we have someone sitting at the right hand of the Father praying for us? See, sometimes you say, I wish I I had a family member who would pray for me. I wish I had a church that would pray for me. I wish I could get prayer. I wish, I wish, I wish. I just wish someone was in my corner. Well, guess what? Scripture tells us that Jesus is in your corner today. Jesus is on your side today. Jesus is interceding for the very trials that you're going through. Amen. And maybe you think that you're the only one praying for your family, or maybe you think that you're the only one praying for your kids, or your neighbors, or your co- coworkers. Well, we're one or two. This is this is stretching it, but it sounds fun. Where one or two are gathered, the presence of God is there. Sometimes you just need someone to agree with you in prayer, right? Well, guess what? When you're praying for a loved one, guess who is also praying for a loved one? Jesus. So you got your church right there. Two people are gathered together. Christ is in your midst. So not only was Jesus praying for us, and not only is he praying for us, he also prayed that we would be united. Isn't that interesting? Um much of that prayer doesn't seem like it's been answered. Um, I mean, you see the apostles, they had uh, disputes. Paul and Barnabas had a sharp disagreement, and they ended up going their separate ways. There are many different denominations within the church. Uh, Many people who won't even have conversations with you because of that. But Jesus prayed that we would have Unity. And unity isn't something that you can force or make up, is it? You just can't. Um, we actually just need to walk in it. Why? Because we already have unity according to Scripture. Galatians 3:28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ. If you believe in Jesus Christ, there's already unity. Amen? Now, some of you are freaking out right now. You're saying, are you turning into an inclusion preacher where you just accept everything and anything? Are you just conforming? Are you stretching scripture? Mm -mm. I'm not suggesting inclusion. I'm not suggesting um, conformity. I'm not even close to that. Jesus desires unity. Now, um, it is paramount that we agree upon a few things, right? To walk in unity, we still have to follow Jesus. If you're not following Jesus, then we're not walking in unity. So following Jesus means this, that you believe that Jesus was sent by God, that he left glory in heaven, to come down to earth fully as man and fully as God a virgin birth to live a perfect life to be murdered for you and I raised from the grave three days later that the only way to heaven is Jesus Christ that if we put our faith in him, if we believe in him if we confess that he's Lord over our life if we walk in obedience to him then we will be saved Amen? amen? Now look, that's unity. So if, if people believe those things, then I believe that you're a believer. And he says, like, you already have unity. I mean, like, have you ever been in a different state, and you talk to someone, and you're like, there's just something about you. Are you a Christian? And they're like, yeah, I'm a Christian. And you're like, I just, I, I, I just knew it. Like, there was already that unity there. Anyone ever experienced that? Or even at Walmart or Kroger, you just like, there's unity. And then you talk to them and they're like, "Why well, go to this church. Oh, it's not like your church? No, that's okay. Now look, there's a lot of disagreements. Um, there's some people wrestle with, are there spiritual gifts? Or are there not spiritual gifts? People wrestle with, is there a rapture? Is there not a rapture? people rest, wrestle with, are we in the millennia or are we not in the millennia? All of these terms, right? Where are we? What's happening? I'm not going to not walk in unity with you based upon your view of the rapture. Amen? And I hope that you have that same spirit as well. I will walk in unity with you. And we can walk in unity when we believe the important beliefs, right? Jesus is the center. And what Jesus is praying is he says, will you guys walk in unity? Now how about this? Will you guys walk in unity in this church? I think the easy thing just, it's, it's just the easiest thing. Um, I hear a lot of it because I'm, I guess, the pastor. But there's always complaints about leadership, right? We can just complain and complain and complain, or I want to complain about other people. There's always this complaining and gossiping. You guys ever been a part of complaining or gossiping about a church? Oh, come on now. Have you ever lied in a church? <laughs> we, what happens is this: is we've all complained, we've all had our opinion, we've all gossiped, and what Jesus was praying for us is He saying, "Look, I recognize that it's going to be hard to walk in unity, because I know I know every struggle that you faced. I've been through it all." He said, "Will you walk in unity?" Jesus desired that you and I would walk in unity. That we wouldn't complain about one another. That we wouldn't point a finger at one another. That we wouldn't give our opinion about someone's qualification or lack of qualification. Just love one another. Amen? Walk in unity. Jesus wants us to strive to keep that unity. And if there isn't unity with us, why would uh, unbelievers ever want to come? Seriously, if if our churches are full of gossip and slander and lack of unity, why would unbelievers ever want to be here? They're gonna start saying that place is a place of hypocrites. That place is full of slander. So we have to continually here at Mechanics for Christian Fellowship set an example of walking in unity and love for one another. Finally, the last thing that Jesus prayed for us is that we would experience him and his glory in heaven. Father, I pray that the future church would know you that they would experience glory in heaven. So as we wrestle through Jesus' prayer today, he gives us examples of things that we can pray for. Number one, we can pray for ourselves. Number two, we can pray for our leaders and the people around us. And number three, we can pray for the future church. Amen? And again, I'm still convicted over the fact of if we would pray more than we complain, we'd see a different world. I wish that we had um, trackers that would help us understand everything that we talk about each day. If our prayer outweighed everything else, we'd see a different world. We just would. Imagine that. If I talk... Deshaun Bay about all my frustrations for three hours and then never bring up prayer, probably don't care about the issue that much, do I? So I try to remember after every conversation that I hear of people having relationship issues, let's pray for them. Let's pray for them. So let's pray right now. Father, thank you that Your glory has been um, manifest here on earth. That you revealed yourself to us. I pray that that we would take it personally to consider to pray. Not only for ourselves, Father. And that we would be obedient and bring glory to you. But we would pray for the leaders and people around us. And then, Father, the future church. So right now, Father, we pray for the future church. We pray that um, you would give them grace and mercy. That you would protect them from the evil one. The schemes of the enemy. I pray that you would give them boldness to walk out their faith. And Father, I pray for us right now. that you would protect us from the schemes of the enemy. That you too would give us boldness. That you would empower us with the Holy Spirit. Father, that we wouldn't be watchers and complainers, but we would just be um, dependent and obedient to you. I just want to leave it open real quick. Um, however you guys want to pray. We're not looking for a testimony. Not looking for a story. Just, I want to see if God's leading the church to pray for anything right now. Father, I pray for unity in our nation. That we would walk in what you've already given us, Father. May we walk in unity. I know you guys were thinking, it's been like 30 seconds. Has he fallen asleep up there? <laughs> Father, we love you. Um, just as a declaration, with my hands lifted and my head looking to the heavens, Father, we need you. Um, lead us today. May we be in complete dependence of you. Teach us the benefits, the rewards the intimacy that comes with praying. Help us prioritize it and focus in this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. One of the important things to do is sometimes you just document your prayers. And when you pray, be specific. If, If I ask God to change the world, I don't know if He answered that prayer or not, right? But if I say, God, I pray that Uh, You provide us a way to impact Mechanicsburg High School. We can tell if he's answered that prayer or not.